today on CityCast Madison. Thanksgiving Tea Day, also known as Turkey Day, is upon us. Gobble, gobble. Madison's full of wild turkeys now. But did you know that the wild turkey was once almost wiped off the map entirely in this region? So next time you see one waddle across campus or waddle in the road, don't take its existence for granted. We asked UW-Madison wildlife ecologist David Drake why turkeys are thriving in Madison. It's Tuesday, November 21st. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. David, hello. Well, hello, Bianca. Nice to see you this morning. So nice to see you. Excited about this convo because uh, we're talking about some wild birds today. So why does Madison have so many turkeys? (laughs) Well, the easy answer to that is Madison has a wonderful turkey habitat. And when we think about habitat, uh, it really comes down to four basic areas. So it's food, water, shelter, and then space. Um, What we have here in Madison, turkeys tend to like areas that have pockets or components of forested area with adjacent open areas. And if you think about uh, Madison, we have a lot of forested areas distributed through neighborhoods, um, city parks, places like that. And then we have a lot of open areas adjacent to that. So even in neighborhoods, if you've got a a forested area and an outlot, for example, we have a lot of mowed turf. I've seen so many of them at the Arboretum. Yep, that's a perfect (laughs) example. Yeah, so Longenecker Garden is ideal turkey habitat. And that's one of the reasons that there's so many there. So so they like the trees for a number of reasons. Um, They will roost or sleep in in the trees on the branches at night. So they're above off the ground. So they're safe from predation while they're sleeping. And then they come down to the ground during the day to forage, to move around, things like that. And, and turkeys, obviously, as a bird, they can fly, um, okay. but they can't fly long You distances. read my mind. I was yeah. a little embarrassed to ask. <laughs> I was like, have I no. seen a turkey flying? I mostly see well, them walking. <laughs> no, they put little turkey ladders up against the tree and yeah. then just hike that ladder up. See, that's so. what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, they can fly and they're pretty strong flyers, but they're such a big bird that they can't fly for long distances. So, but, so they prefer to walk or run on the ground uh, but then they'll fly up into the trees at night to roost. They'll come down to the ground uh, during the day to, to move around, uh, look for food, things like that. So we have a lot of good habitat here for turkeys. Um, there's not a lot of mortality. Um, you know, people aren't trying to hunt them because you can't uh, discharge a firearm in the city of, of Madison or most municipalities. Um, so there's, so the mortality rate And everyone is might low. not know that, you know, what you just right. said to emphasize that you're, you can't discharge a firearm in the city limits. So, right. you know, like... People do, but any. you shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> right. safe for us uh, for, or the birds. Um, so that's part of it. And then it's pretty good living. You know, there's a lot of food available here. Um, think about people's bird feeders and and all of the oak trees we have. They eat a lot of acorns, a lot of grubs, um, things of that nature. So it's habitat related. And then the other part of this uh, story is um, we have certain species that are adaptable to a changing landscape. So to an urbanizing landscape. And turkeys tend to be surprisingly one of those uh, species that are adapted to, are able to adapt to a quickly changing 
landscape with a lot of human concentration, a lot of human impact and footprint. Um, and the interesting thing about that is I, I'm 58 years old. When I was in school learning about turkey management, uh, we did not discuss turkeys as an urban adapted species. Uh, we talked about in my classes, turkeys out in uh, rural areas, country areas, things like that. And certainly the, the generations before me, that's what they were taught. So we are now teaching our students about urban turkey management. And that is a relatively new concept simply because these animals have adapted to urban environments. Do we have any sense of how many live in our city? No, but there's quite a few of them. Um, yeah. And, and um, it's gotten to the point, depending on where you are in the city, that that people's tolerance for turkeys uh, is starting to wane or to, to be reduced a tad bit. There's issues uh, in the Arboretum, for example, with too many turkeys. Um, we've had I've issues. never seen anything like it. And they really yeah. do. They look wild. They look like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just well, like, they run that the Arboretum, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, Sorry, if do. you actually do run the Arboretum. <laughs> no, no, no I don't. But, you know, they're not the only overabundant species there. We have overabundant uh, deer populations in the Arboretum and, and uh, other parts of Madison as well. So, you know, we see a lot of turkeys, but but they're not the only species that is is abundant in Madison and throughout other urban areas in the United States. You talked about how they have adapted to be an urban space. Is that like a Madison thing because we do have so much forested areas or is that pretty universal? In urban areas across the United States, we are seeing an increase in wildlife species in these urban areas and typically those species that are in urban areas are more dense or more populous than uh, their cousin or their their cohort that would be in non-urban areas. And it's just simply because there's so much food available on the urban landscape that these animals can can take advantage of the food sources. Uh, typically, there's reduced mortality um, and some other factors that have, have allowed these species to really kind of blossom or, or increase in these urban areas. And that is not unique to mass and it's universal across uh, the United States and across the world to some extent. Okay. And so these turkeys aren't just eating acorns. They're also eating maybe food left out or around? Well, they're eating, you know, think about all the uh, trees around uh, the Madison area. There's, we've got a lot of hardwood. So producing mass like acorns, um, uh, walnuts and, uh, you know, different types of seeds off of the tree. So there's a lot of natural food sources. They will also eat a lot of invertebrates. So a lot of insects and, and grubs in the soil, uh, things like that. So just think about all the the, the amount of mowed turf that we have in, in Madison. And again, I know we're talking about Madison, but this is, it, it is not unique to Madison. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we've got turkeys that are coming to bird feeders. So there's a lot of natural food provision for these animals, but then we have this anthropogenic or human provided food source, uh, both directly and indirectly. And people aren't putting out bird feeders for turkeys, but turkeys <laughs> are certainly taking advantage of the seed that's dropped on the ground under that bird feeder. Um, yeah, and, you know, they're taking advantage of other food sources that might be around our our uh, residential areas and, and things like that. You study turkeys along with many other species um, as an ecologist. And uh, so I don't want to like make light of turkeys, but they do, especially <laughs> this time of year. It's kind of yeah, hard not to. They're kind of goofy. They're kind of goofy. Yeah, 100% <laughs> agree. They are. But, you know, some people might not want them to be eating out of their bird feeder. And also I've seen turkeys attack. <laughs> Yep. like following there's videos 
um, of that. You know, every now and then you'll hear about like a postal worker yeah. or even someone on campus um, being attacked or at least followed. And I, I guess I'm curious, what kind of things make turkeys hostile to humans? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, and, and they can be aggressive. And typically, uh, the aggressor is the male turkey uh, or the tom. So that's the adult male. And most turkey of those, tom, turkey tom, most or tom <laughs> turkey, however you want to say it. Um, sure. Most of those aggressive uh, incidents occur in late winter going into the spring when the males are starting to surge with hormones in their body because they're going into breeding season. Um, and they can be somewhat uh, territorial, you know, so that one Tom will breed multiple females, um, but he's got to keep all the other Toms away from those females. So they, they can get a little aggressive toward each other and turkeys don't necessarily distinguish uh, if somebody's in that area, they don't distinguish uh, a, a turkey from a human being sometimes. Stay away from my woman. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> exactly what it is. And, and you know, I mean, we all have been there when yes. hormones are surging through your body. You don't always make the best decisions. OK, right. <laughs> so, so that's part of it. And then the, nobody's quite sure why they seem to target mail carriers. But but there are plenty of um, examples and stories where mail carriers have been targeted or, or uh, run at by aggressive turkeys. And one of the, one of the thoughts is that mail carriers, uh, they have gray uniforms and then they have stripes of red and blue on them. And if you look at a turkey's head, the turkey's head is blue with red uh, appendages on it. And so the thought is possibly that the male turkey is seeing that red and blue uh, and, and they're saying, hey, that looks just like the red and blue of another male turkey who's trying to come in to, and, and take over my my territory or, or you know breed with my harem okay so they're they have something going on in terms of intelligence <laughs> well <laughs> yes they, they, so every animal is very intelligent if they're in their own setting you know i mean and and they turkeys obviously are, are intelligent animals in the sense that they're able to uh, adapt to a quickly changing landscape um, they're able to survive in, in this urban landscape and things like that. So, so they have a level of intelligence that works for them. Now, that was the most beautiful. I'm sorry. I'm smiling so big right now because that was <laughs> the most beautiful response to if turkeys are dumb. <laughs> well, they're, they're not curing cancer. Okay. Right. <laughs> but they are smart enough to survive in a, uh, in a relatively complicated landscape. I would, I would assume for an animal. Yeah. I mean, because they were basically on the brink of extinction just like 50 years ago, right? Yeah, they weren't. Extinct means that the, that, that animal or that species is gone forever across the planet. So okay. um, the, they're and, endangered. And, yeah. Or the, word, the term that we would use is extirpation. So extirpation is that they're, they've, they're extinct from certain areas, but they're still present in other areas, but they, but they might be blinking out in parts of their uh, native territory or their historical range. Mm. And so, yeah, so it, back uh, in the you know early 1900s, mid-1900s, turkeys were starting to be on the decline. Um, and again, a lot of that has is due to habitat issues. So um, if you think about Wisconsin in the early 1900s, the entire area of Wisconsin was logged over. Uh, and right. so, you know, we think about northern Wisconsin right now, northern third, especially uh, as a forested area, which it is. And historically, that that was the landscape, um, you know, when the Native Americans were here before before uh, this land got colonized. But then uh, in the 1900s, that 
entire state got logged. And so there weren't trees on the landscape. And trees, as we talked about, is an important component for, for turkeys yes, for a number of their reasons. their bread and butter. Yeah. And so because of a habitat a loss or, or modification, the turkey population started to decline. So, but then it's a really interesting history, kind of the, these turkeys are kind of linked with us because then um, after it got logged over and then people started uh, farming those areas, even up in the northern parts of Wisconsin. And then in the Industrial Revolution came in, people abandoned the farmland, went to the cities because, the, you know, for jobs and a better uh, uh, way of living. Um, and as the farmland became fallow, then trees started to, to regenerate on those uh, farmlands. And then we started to have more available habitat for turkeys. And so then we re- kind of regrew the habitat. And then the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources started restocking turkeys. And so they would trade states and then uh, those states ship turkeys up to Wisconsin. And, and then the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources released turkeys on the land and started to, to restock the population. Oh my goodness. So, there you go. A little, <laughs> little quick history lesson. So you study urban coyotes and red fox. Love that. And and you study them, the populations on campus. Are they a threat to the turkeys? They certainly will eat uh, turkey eggs. So turkeys nest on the ground. Um and they will eat the eggs out of the nest, but so will a whole host of other species like raccoons and skunks and you know other things like that. Um, they will eat the uh, poults. So the, that's what we call young turkeys or poults. They will mm-hmm. eat the poults. But once the turkey gets to be an adult size, that's a pretty formidable opponent um, for a coyote and especially for a fox. You know, that's a big animal. Uh, they can puff up themselves. They can expand their wings. Uh, turkeys have spurs on the back of uh, each of their legs. And so they can use those spurs for defense. Um, they can I'm sorry, I'm, I'm ignorant right now. Can yeah. you even explain <laughs> so, that one step yeah. further, the spurs? So, so they have a, a, a growth on the back of their leg that it literally is a spur. So if you think about a uh, thorn on a tree or on a, a bush. Okay. Essentially, that's what it is uh, on the back of their leg. A and stabber. Use, a stabber. It's not as uh, sharp as a rose thorn. But yeah. it's it's pointed enough that it can hurt you if okay. you uh, if you get hit by it. So they can use that. But then they also they run they run pretty quickly uh, to get away from coyotes and red fox or other predators. And then they also will fly up into trees. And and obviously coyotes and red fox are, are not good climbers. Climbers. Well, what would you say? It sounds like a lot of creatures are after their eggs. Like what's a Madison turkey's worst enemy. It's it's certainly not us people, even though we're kind of some people are annoyed with that. Yeah, um, it, you know, again, it depends on on the life stage. So at the eggs, uh, you, you know, it can be a, a bunch of different things as we talked about. Same for poults, but you know, once you get to be an adult sized turkey, there really is not much out there that will get you, uh, other than getting hit by a car. That's so mortality. Vehicle mortality is a, a primary form of mortality in, in the city. And there are, because as, you, as you've talked a little bit about already, there's an abundance of turkeys in, in places like the Arboretum and some of the Madison City Parks. There have been efforts by a federal agency called the, the Wildlife Services, which is part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, where they've gone in and they have lethally removed turkeys from certain areas simply because there's too many turkeys um, in those areas. And so not many people are aware of that uh, because it's it, it's not a hidden secret necessarily, but the way that they um, they conduct these management activities, they they try to do it out of sight of, of humans, and certainly when uh, you know humans aren't around, uh, just for the safety of, of the birds and for the humans. Um, but there are, there are select uh, and, and very targeted, limited lethal removal programs going on in the city at times. 
you know, do you have any last thoughts to leave us with in terms of changing ways we understand turkeys? <laughs> I think that people um, generally like turkeys. You know, I, I, I do get calls and emails and people say something about, well, I've got too many turkeys in my backyard. I can't go feed, you know, the birds or they're pecking at my my glass windows in my house or whatever the case is. But I think generally people like turkeys um, for the most part. And, and they can, they, it's one of the birds that people recognize and can identify. You know, it's, it's not like a, I don't know, a golden winged warbler, for example, that nobody's going to know what that is unless you're really into birding. Right. It's um, pretty distinctive. <laughs> it's pretty distinctive. It's pretty cool. And, and I think it's pretty cool that people get a chance to see them because, you know, until, couple decades ago they weren't all that frequent in cities and they weren't around people all that much and and so i think it enriches people's lives to see them and to have them around and, and it's, it's a pretty cool thing to see well professor drake thank you so much uh it's been enlightening <laughs> and very fun well likewise i enjoyed myself and i really appreciate the invitation to come on your podcast That's David Drake, Professor of Forest and Wildlife Ecology at UW-Madison. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Fighting hate. A hate group that calls themselves the Blood Tribe marched across downtown Madison and near the UW-Madison campus this past Saturday. According to multiple sources, including the Cap Times, they were wearing masks, waving swastikas, and shouting racial slurs. Local leaders and lawmakers, including UW-Madison Chancellor Jennifer Manukin, Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway, Governor Tony Evers, and U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin have condemned the neo-Nazi march. The Madison Police Department monitored the incident, but say the demonstration was lawful. And in other news, the beloved long-running tavern, the Silver Dollar, is set to close. Silver Dollar owners announced that they've sold the building, which is right off the Capitol Square. Owners told reporters that this closure comes with mixed feelings, and their family is still considering whether they might open later in a new location. Hey, we are all ears for that. Crossing our fingers. We'll miss you in the meantime, Silver Dollar. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then.